Mac Power Users, episode 471. Menu bars, docs, startup apps. Oh my! Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, along with my pal, Stephen Hackett. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm doing well. You read that exactly how I was hoping you would. Oh, did I? <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, it, it just uh, we, we got talking. This kind of arose out of a conversation Stephen and I were having about stuff we have on our menu bars. And and I am uh, I have a problem with my menu bar. I'll have to make some some admissions here. I yeah. I can't get enough of them. Uh, bartender is the the great enabler in my life. We'll talk about that as well. But, but we got talking about it and and we both had quite a few apps. It's been a long time since we covered our Mac Power Users, and most of mine have changed. And we haven't heard about Steven's menu bar yet. So here we are, gang. We're going to talk about uh, menu bars. What we've got in our menu bars today. We're going to go through what we're keeping in our docs and not keeping in our docs, and also uh, the startup apps. So. Uh, if you want to get geeky with your Mac, this is a good episode to listen to. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those things, too, that really stands the Mac and iOS apart, where the Mac can be doing all these things in the background, little utilities that are always running, where iOS just doesn't have a paradigm for that yet, and, and may, probably never will, I think, in my opinion. But this is one of those things where like the Mac sort of stands alone in its capabilities. And, and one reason for me, the Mac is still home-based for work, because a lot of these things I depend on just being there whenever I reach for them. Yeah, and, and I want to talk about uh, the original Mac and the control strip and how that really was part of my original love of the Mac. But but before we get there, we've got a few um, uh, things to catch up on. Yes, yeah, so a couple of announcements. Uh, as people know, we are just uh, really about a week or so away from our live show in Chicago, and I'm putting out a call for a couple of volunteers. So if you're willing to come a little early and stay a little late and you don't already have a ticket... Uh, just drop me an email, uh, or you can find me in the forums. My email is just steven at relay.fm. Uh, looking for a couple of people to help get people seated and show people where the bathrooms, that, that sort of stuff. Nothing nothing too heavy duty, and it comes with a ticket to the show. So if you're willing to help out in the Chicago area on Saturday, March 2nd, drop me a note, and uh, I'd love to chat about it. Yes, it's hard to believe it's just a week away. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yes, uh, we've been playing some fun stuff. Uh, but it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be good. But we're, the first was not here yet, and we're already talking about our second live show for the year. Yes, uh, <laughs> we have announced that apparently we are a big thing in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, so so episode five hundred has been kind of on the horizon uh, even before Stephen came. I've been looking at episode five hundred and thinking about what to do about it. And last year I attended MacStock, and MacStock is just a wonderful gathering of Mac nerds. It's as close to MacWorld as I've seen, hmm. you know, since since a uh, MacWorld shut down. Because it's not developers, it's users, it's people who want to use their Macs to get better at stuff. Saw a bunch of old friends made a bunch of new ones last year at MacStock, and it just seemed unnatural because everybody's already there. You know, uh, there's hotels if you want to come stay in a hotel. There's tons of good speakers and things to learn about your Mac, and it just seemed like a natural fit. So I, I talked to the organizers, and they were so on board and supportive. So uh, we are going to be recording episode 500 of the Mac Power Users live on stage at MacStock uh, in July of this year. Yeah, it's super exciting. So we're going to do that. And uh, we have some, again, some stuff in the works planning wise. And then we will actually release that as episode 500. So there's a, a link in the show notes to learn more about MacStock, to uh, sign up for the conference. 
Uh, if you can't be there the whole time, we're going to be recording the end of the day on Saturday. So keep that in mind when you're looking for places. But uh, I'm really excited. I'm going to be coming off a week of family vacation. This is my first thing back at work. So, you know, I'm going to be coming out of the woods. <laughs> I'm spending a week in the woods to come to a show. And uh, I'm really excited about about being there and, and hanging out and uh, being on stage. It's always fun. Yeah, I and uh, I've got all the feedback from everyone saying, how come you're doing two live shows in Chicago and not insert name of my city here? And uh, I get that. Uh, it, just, it just was weird because I happen to be in Chicago for the ABA Tech Show and then this next week and then the the max stock is near chicago it's it's uh in woodstock illinois uh but the uh you know what steven and i heard that and we're gonna do some more live shows um in different places i haven't told steven we haven't talked about that yet but uh i i don't know i'm i'm, I'm for I, I feel like we need to go maybe do one in your neck of the woods maybe we'll get one out here in california too i don't know yeah, yeah. it's it's fun to get out and yeah, i mean we'd, we'd love to be everywhere it's just a matter of getting it planned and, and worked in with everything else. But uh, absolutely, the, the two Chicago thing just was kind of the way it fell this time. But we will get we'll be, get beyond the Windy City, I promise. Promise. And for, <laughs> and for listeners that don't make it, we are making bunches of plans to make this super fun for the people that attend, but we're also going to make it a good podcast. Mm-hmm. So uh, there'll be plenty to listen to as well. But anyway, uh, let's talk about menu bar apps because um, I talked about earlier, I couldn't remember the name of the menu bar utility on the original Mac, but it was, it was magnetic to me. I, you know, because I'd been using, uh, you know, you know, traditional uh, Apple II, you know, command line interface didn't have anything where you could add little utilities to make your computer more customized to you. Steven, who probably, I'm not sure you're even alive at the time I was trying to figure this out, <laughs> did did remind me of the name, though. It was called the Control Strip. In fact, um, uh, Steven didn't know, but he had to look it up on the internet, right? I had to look it up on the internet, and turns out I wrote about it in 2014 on the blog. Yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> that's the thing that happened. So yeah, this came out with... Uh, like system seven. So this actually came out um, several years into the Mac and it sort of introduced this idea of there's something kind of in between like a full application and nothing. These little utilities, these little one-off very specific programs to do some very specific things. And and back then it started with all Apple stuff. And then they, over time, allowed third parties to basically add their own, they called them tiles, control step tiles. Uh, you could add your own over time to the control strip. And, and of course, Apple's reused that name now with a touch bar, which I just love. I love that they brought that name back because it was such a, a unique thing with the Mac. You know, Windows had the start menu and the task bar, and you could do some things there. But this really sort of surfaced things, you know, settings and things that you needed pretty often. It just surfaced them right there at the bottom of the screen. And when Apple transitioned to Mac OS X, Initially, they didn't have anything like this. And I think users really spoke out and said, you know, we need quick access to these things that we don't want them in the dock. We, we want something else. And, you know, here we are, you know, 18, 19 years into the OS X, Mac OS era, and menu bar apps are alive and well, just kind of always present, always doing things in the background, but just a click away. And, and it makes the Mac, to me, a lot more powerful and customizable than other platforms out there. Yeah, I really feel as a user at the time when I first started using uh, Macs, just because that was really my first experience of the graphical user interface and the ability to put on thing little control tiles that were important to me, but not necessarily everybody else, to make it my own really was one of the reasons why I so fell in love with these computers. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, so far beyond anything else out there at the time, right? We're coming from a world of of typing green and orange characters onto a screen to having applications yeah. and things that can run all the time. Just unlocked so much potential for people is a huge move. Well, it was even the I've I've said this before on the show, so just bear with me if you've heard this. But it was uh, the I can identify the moment I fell in love with a Mac, and it was in the control panel, which was uh, even further back in the Mac's development. But uh, they had a a way to set the click speed, mm-hmm. and it was a tortoise and a hare, you know, and you know, and after having used, like I said, command line, it just like wait a second, this. These guys get it, you know, and it, it really was a, a different way of looking at computers. I know it's easy to take all that for granted now, but at the time it was all revolutionary. And uh, what, a, what a great thing these guys did. But anyway, so now we get to, you know, fast forward to 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the menu bar is alive and well. In fact, it's so far alive and well. I thought before we started talking about some of our menu bar apps, I just want to talk a little bit about um, organization of the menu bar, which is something you're going to need if you listen to the show. Um, and there's a great menu bar app, which is kind of meta, it's like the bag of holding for your menu bar. It's called bartender and it's an app you can download. They're up to version three now. And if you have a lot of menu bar apps on your Mac, this is the app you need. Like, especially on some of the laptops, you'll, you'll find that you have so many menu bar apps, especially with some of the ones we're going to discuss that have that use a lot of space on the menu bar mm-hmm. um, that you you lose the menu bars underneath the app <laughs> app menu yeah. items, because the way the operating system is designed is the menu items always take precedence right. over menu bar apps. So sometimes you need to get to a menu bar that's just not there. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a, a tip there is go to the finder. Finder uses very little real estate in the menu bar. So usually you're okay <laughs> but the uh but if this is an issue for you get bartender mm-hmm. and there's a there's an alternative app called vanilla that does a very similar thing basically is hiding menu bar apps and you can reveal them when you want to so it vanilla's free there's a premium version that adds things like keyboard shortcuts and a few other things i think it's like five dollars so you got some options if if bartender isn't your uh, exact cup of tea on my imac pro I leave everything visible, which is kind of messy and cluttered looking, but I like having it all immediately available. But on my MacBook Pro, I 100% of the time I'm running Bartender for the reason you said, right? Things just run away and you got, you know, you have less screen real estate. So it's nice to keep things tidy. So if, if that's something that you're fighting with on your notebook, you should check these two apps out. You know what's sad, Stephen? Even with my 27 inch iMac, if I leave them all present, I lose, I lose menu bar. <laughs> I was looking through your list, which we're going to go through and it's like, holy moly, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Well, bartender, it's like, it's like the enabler, you know, I it mean, is. once you install bartender, you, you really don't feel um, bad. You know, I, I, as I put it in the show outlines, bartender allows me to get drunk with menu bar items and I just keep loading them up. And even if, cause there's two levels with bartender, you can say it's, present always, or you can say it's at a second level and they, they have a little icon you can click on that displays basically a second level mm-hmm. of um, menu bar tools. So the ones that you don't need often uh, are just one click away. And then they do a really cool thing with bartender and I, I'll move on after I explain this, but the, uh, they have a thing where they can have timed elevations where like 
If Dropbox suddenly becomes active, the Dropbox menu bar item jumps up to the main menu bar. And you can say whether that's for one minute or five minutes, but you set some period of time where it, you know, things that start doing things show up in the regular menu bar. And when they're done doing things, they disappear back into the bartender bar. And I think that's just brilliant. Yeah, it's really handy because you know, one things one thing these utilities can do is provide like glanceable information. So, for instance, I've got one shows the weather, and I can just very quickly see okay, what's the weather outside? And sometimes you need that sort of stuff for something like Dropbox. You may have an invite to a folder or something that you want to be notified of that you may miss otherwise. And so that's a really clever thing Bartender does. Of you know, say sometimes even though the user hid this. The application, you know, needs some attention and so they'll surface it. It's it's very clever. All right. You want to start talking about some menu bar apps? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I've got mine uh, listed here from left to right. And I'm going to start with iStat Menus, which has been around a long time. They're up to version six. And what this does is it allows you to sort of build your own Uh, monitoring for your Mac. And so you can put different elements in here. I mean, looking through these preferences, you can do all sorts of wild stuff. You can see uh, CPU usage, RAM usage, network access, uh, temperature of various sensors. And you can put a bunch of those in your menu bar or the way I have it set up. I've combined several of them. So I have a graph that shows CPU usage, which is not a, a big thing on the iMac Pro because you know it's such a beast, a beast of a machine. But I like to see when I'm encoding something, you know, hey, I'm getting my money's worth out of this computer. <laughs> and if I click on that, I can see you know memory and disk usage and some other things kind of built together into the menu. So it lets you customize it to a large degree. You can even customize the color of the graph. So mine is just white and black. I don't like having a lot of color on my menu bar. And so it's just kind of subtle. And, you know, if I'm, st- if I'm running something and things feel slow, I can just glance up and say, oh, well, you know, something has run away and it's taken all my CPU with it. It's really great. I've used it for a long time. Uh, so I've got like CPU usage and sort of computer stuff in one and then right to the side of it. I also use iStat menus for uh, the weather. So they have a weather module and it's got forecast and, you know, you can hover on the days and get more information. Uh, and I've used that also for a long time. So uh, kind of side by side, but you can arrange these however you want. So I step menu, however many things you put in your menu bar, they're all individual items if you want them to be. So you can arrange them in various ways. I just have a lot of stuff grouped together, but you can kind of like build your own system within within the application. It's It's really powerful. And if you're doing a lot of heavy computer usage and you're, you're worried about performance or you just want to keep an eye on something. Uh, it's the best tool I found, you know, as opposed to going and opening activity monitor or looking at the terminal, all these different places, it sort of surfaces it off for you right in the menu bar. Yeah. There's, there's a couple things I'd like to point out. The first is I think one of the knocks against iStat is that it's too much for some people. Um, it's not, that's necessarily the case anymore. Like they have now a combined tool that combines a bunch of data into one menu bar tool. Cause uh, it can take several linear inches on your menu bar. If you run iStat menu, you know, full out. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, and then bartender fixes that. For instance, I put all the performance stuff in a bar in the second level with bartender. And if I'm doing something and suddenly my computer, I hear the fans going or something and or it's maybe I'm getting the beach ball. I'll go check the data in bar in iStat menus to see if it's working. Another thing I would point out is that their clock is is just 
bananas. In fact, Steven and I were talking and leading up to the show, he's telling me he uses their clock. So I went ahead and tried it. And it is so much better than the built-in system clock. It not only does it give you um, the clock when you click on it, it gives you a list of all your appointments because I block schedule a bunch of my time. It's a really easy way to see what I've got up next. Um, it's got time zone support right in that one click. And I podcast with, you know, one person in Austria, one person, you know, I got like people I podcast with all over the world. So having time, uh, immediate access to, um, to world times is really useful. And, and then from that clock, you can get into a bunch of the iStat, uh, system details. So, uh, the way I run iStat menu now is I'm just using their, um, their clock tool and then. And then all the other stuff is kind of buried until I need it. It's great. Uh, you know, the, it's one of those things where like, it looks like the system clock. If you just saw a screenshot, you know, it says the date and the time and everything, but then you just click into it and it's this whole world of information. And I don't use Fantastical or anything like that. This gives me enough. You know, I can see my appointments. Time zones are huge for me. I've got five of them in there. Uh, it's, it's really stellar. And uh, one other thing I'd say about iStat menus is if you are a setup subscriber, that setup, which is that, you know, kind of Netflix for Mac app service, mm-hmm. iStat's in there. So I have not paid for the last few updates of iStat. I've just been accessing it through my mm-hmm. setup account. And it's, it's really nice. So if you've, if you've got setup, you've already, you've already paid for iStat. So go ahead and try it out. In fact, several of the things we're talking about, that's true for. So it's yeah. always, if you're interested in that or paying for, it's always a first place to look for utilities because a lot of the stuff is sort of wrapped up in that bundle. Well, I'm going to pick one that I know you don't use because you just said so. And that's Fantastical, uh, which is another great menu bar app. I mean, it's a calendar application and it's, it's a full on calendar application. It's got some great features and, um, uh, the, but the, the reason I like one of my favorite things about Fantastical is this, this crazy, insane parser for creating, uh, events, and I know that Apple's calendar app keeps trying to get better at this, but it really can't hold a candle to Fantastical. So like whenever I have a new appointment, I have a keyboard shortcut. For me, it is just control option command F, you know, F for Fantastical with all of those buttons to the left of the spacebar mesh down. And um, when I do that, it opens up the Fantastical menu bar app and I can type in an appointment in there. And it's all, you know, this is kind of command line calendaring, I guess I would say. Mm. So like I could say, um, if I say Wednesday 2 p.m. or if I say Wednesday 1400-1450 and then, you know, call Stephen about planning live show and then... I, then I put alarm space 15 and then I hit slash MS for Max Sparky. It'll create an event on Wednesday from 2 p.m. to 2.50 p.m. that's entitled, you know, plan live show with Steven. It'll put it in the proper calendar and set an alarm for me. And I just find doing that is much faster than opening up the calendar app and clicking all the boxes that you need to do to add all that information to an event. And I set events all day, you know, with the, with the law practice, I've always got clients wanting to get on the phone with me or setting a a meeting um, because I block schedule a lot of times. So if someone says, I need you to do this project, I'll, I'll use Fantastical to block out two hours and a couple days to do that project. Mm -hmm. So I just, I'm constantly adding events on it. Um, I posted a, a post just last week at Max Sparky talking about 
and kind of block scheduling again. And, um, and I do tons of it and fantastic is by far for me, the easiest way to get data in there. It's great. Uh, I, I like it on iOS. The Mac app never particularly clicked for me, but I also don't have the, the needs you do. So that, that I, I'm okay going into calendar and doing that manually when I need to, or when Apple's parsing fails, which to your point is not nearly as powerful. I mean, that's fantastic. How's bread and butter. They, they do it so well, but not it's a little overkill for what I need personally. Yeah. Like when I do have to go in the Apple calendar app or just find myself in it for some, whatever reason, mm-hmm. uh, it just, it just makes me crazy. <laughs> you know, it's like, what I got to click on this now. Yeah. What? At, at the least the leather's to... gone, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> no kidding. Poor calendar. Yeah. Poor calendar. Well, the, the way I actually use calendar is kind of interesting. I keep the Apple calendar in week view on my right, my reference monitor, just like the top half of it. And that's up there almost 24 seven. So I can always see what's going on as people call me and want to do things. But then the only thing I use full screen for on my iMac um, is fantastic how running full screen um, with a 14 day week view, you know, 14 day view. And I, uh, I love having all that data available to me when I need it, but that's the only thing I do in full screen on my Mac. It's a, it's a bunch of pixels to light up. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's kind of nuts. Yeah. Uh, up next for me, or, I mean, the, so the first one is Adobe CC, which is if I ran bartender on my iMac would be hidden. Absolutely. You know, if you, if you pay for Adobe creative cloud, they have a menu bar app that allows you to update their apps and, uh, you know, check on fonts you have loaded and, and that sort of thing. I don't love it. Uh, I, I use Adobe because I, I sort of stuck with it for some tasks that I have. Adobe's kind of bad about what I call notification spam. So like they'll light that up as, like, Oh, I have an app update. It's like, well, no, they have some sort of, you know, thing they want me to know about. And that's really frustrating, but it's sort of a necessary evil for a lot of people. Uh, you're not uh, a Creative Cloud user, are you? No, I'm not. I, I just never needed it. I never really learned it very well. Um, you know, I use Pixelmator for the for pictures and things like that. And I use, you know, I, I've got, you know, I've just gone to other solutions for all the stuff mm-hmm. that Creative Cloud does. So I, I'm not, I'm not in the, I'm not in that ecosystem. Yeah. Oh, they got me. They got the hooks in deep. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it, it's one of those things where like, it's fine. It's for work. Uh, I can, I could put up with it. Um, it is nice. You know, they, they've done a really good job with making the installs process pretty seamless for the apps and the updates and all that. It's come a long way, but you know, if you don't want to, rent your apps, uh, you got to look elsewhere, but it's kind of, kind of how it goes. This episode of the Mac power users is brought to you by gazelle.com, the go-to website for buying and selling used devices. Thinking about upgrading to a new iPhone, gazelle will pay you for your current phone. All you have to do is visit gazelle.com and you answer a few easy questions to get a quote. And your quote is good for 30 days, so you can lock in the best price before it depreciates and have time to decide on which phone you want to upgrade to. They they give you some time to think things over. Shipping is free and payment is fast. You can get a check in the mail, an Amazon gift card, uh, or even a direct deposit into your PayPal account. You can also shop from a variety of certified pre-owned electronics or trade devices in for cash. Give a new life to a used device. Visit gazelle.com today. 
I've used Gazelle, uh, I don't even know how many times over the years. I have a tendency to upgrade phones every year. And if I don't have a family member in need, uh, I turn to Gazelle because I know that it's simple. The, it's really uh, easy to get through, go through and get a quote, and you don't have to deal with the, uh, the hassle of selling on the open mar- market. Because again, uh, the payments are really fast, and you can get them uh, where you want them. And it's not just iPhones. It's, it's Samsung, Galaxy phones, old iPhones, MacBooks, and more. If you are looking to buy, you can get a certified pre-owned device. The selection is really wide, and these all get checked out. So you can get iPhone 6 all the way through the 10, uh, iPads, notebooks. Each of these devices is fully inspected and backed by a 30-day return policy. And of course, they're sold without a carrier contract, which is probably the best part, in in my opinion. Uh, Gazelle offers financing uh, on all devices. You just have to provide some basic information, and you get approved instantly and pay that new device off. Uh, in three, six, or 12 months. Give new life to used devices. Lock in the value of your phone and trade it in for cash or buy a certified pre-owned device for a fraction of the price. Set over to gazelle.com uh, today to get started. That's gazelle.com and uh, lock in that price to sell your old iPhone. Our thanks to Gazelle for their support of this show and Relay FM. I've got another one that's not on your list that I I really like having. It's timing. Uh, It's an application uh, made specifically for the Mac that does an amazing job of tracking exactly how you spend your time. Now, they have sometimes sponsored some of my various podcasts over the years. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if they've ever sponsored Mac Power Users or not, but that's not the reason why I keep it in my menu bar. I mean, it's just a great app to, to do time tracking. And it's really painless time tracking because the problem with, you know, some of the other time tracking solutions is that you have to go through a switch. And every time you change, you know, modes doing from one work to the other, if you don't remember to do that, then your data falls apart. Um, with timing, it's just right on. It, it knows how much time exactly I spent in a document, for instance. Um, and, I love it because it's just running in the background. At the end of the day, I can take a look at it and get a real good snapshot about how productive I was and, and where my time sinks were. And uh, like I said, it's it's very low effort on behalf of the user. And it sits in the menu bar all day waiting for you. Yeah, it's great. I don't do time tracking, much of the horror of some people I work with. But um, yeah, it's great that it's automatic. That that was what drove me away from it. I was like, I do all these switches and stuff. And yeah. uh, timing just sort of settles all that for you. Well, for someone who spends as much time on the Mac as you do, I would recommend trying it. Um, because like I said, there's really no cost to you. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these, like these productivity systems have an upfront cost, you know, how long are you going to spend tagging your files or recording your time? But this is just there. And it, it is interesting for me because uh, sometimes I'll get to the end of the day and say, you know, I didn't get very much done today. And then I'll go take a look at my timing report and realize, hmm. oh, wait a second. I spent an hour and a half outlining podcasts and, you know, two hours doing legal contracts. And, you know, all of a sudden I start to realize, oh, wait, I did make some progress today. So it's it's affirmation, if nothing else. <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, so one that I really enjoy, and this is one that I hope we don't need forever, Uh, But it is a little utility called Rocket. So if you use Slack, you're probably familiar with uh, how easy it is to type emoji in Slack. You just do a colon and then the name of the emoji and it searches it and finds it and inserts it where you want it. 
the maxi emoji picker does have search, but it's sort of a weird shortcut to get to it that I can never remember. And the names of them aren't always what they are on iOS. There's some real sort of sloppiness, I think, the way Apple handles emoji naming. Uh, but what Rocket does, it basically puts that Slack-style emoji usage uh, anywhere you type. So since so you're in your bar, uh, you, you know, it is it does have access to what you're typing. So if that's if you have sensitive data, this isn't streaming that data anywhere to a server, but the app can't see it. And uh, it basically sort of brings up a little window. So if I start typing colon, uh, ROC, then it'll pull up a little picture of a rocket. I hit enter and it puts a rocket wherever I'm typing. And I don't use a ton of emoji, but I use enough where this is really handy because I use Slack every day for work. And now I have the same sort of mechanism everywhere on the Mac. I love it. It's a little free download by the same guy who makes Vanilla, the other mini bar app I mentioned. I, um, he makes some great little Mac utilities and it's one that I've enjoyed for a long time. Okay. So that's the first one of yours that I've just installed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, how did I not know about this? It's great. Okay. I'm looking forward to using Rocket. The uh, another one that I think is one I use every day. You know that uh, effect on iOS devices where you select text and it gives you an immediate menu of things you can do with the text, whether it's sharing or changing the formatting. There, there's an app for that on the Mac that works with the mouse. So whenever you select text, it just pops up with these things. But it's even more powerful than the version on iOS, and you can customize it. the The app it's called Pop Clip. Uh, P-O-P-C-L-I-P. And man, a Mac without PopClip running on it, I immediately noticed the absence of that. Like one of the things it does is I've I've downloaded, because when you download PopClip, there's a button inside it where you can say, give me more tools. And it takes you to a website where there's all these tools people have made. Brett Terpstra, uh, occasional guest on Mac Power Users, has, has submitted a bunch of them, for instance. And like one of them is title case. So I can just select text on my Mac and then pop clip pops open. I hit the title case button and it immediately transforms the text to title case. Ooh, that's um, good. You can also do transformations like um, all caps to no caps or no caps to sentence caps or whatever you want. Uh, you can get a word count for the doc, the words you select. You can do a Google search. You can add the selected text to an OmniFocus task. I mean, just about anything that you think you could do with text, you can do through PopClip. And um, uh, this is a great app if you haven't got it. I think I paid for it, but it was ages ago. I think I bought it through the Mac App Store, if mm-hmm. memory serves. And uh, man, I have got my money out of PopClip. This is one that I've heard about from everybody and never explored it. And so I am opening the Mac App Store right now. <laughs> Yeah, you need to get this one, Stephen. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, and and once you the, the trick is once you get PopClip installed, uh, if you click on the icon, going to my bartender real. So this is one I keep at the bartender level. Um, there is a little puzzle piece there that shows you your existing ones. Like I I have a text soap plugin, so it can clean text. Um, oh, there's just so many. But if you click on the where is it? Uh, the puzzle icon, hit the little plus button at the bottom. Uh, it takes you to a website, and there are so many pop clip extensions. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm going to check this out. Title case in particular, I would love because, you know, podcast titles and stuff end up being there, and I you never know quite <laughs> what's supposed to be capitalized and what's not. So I always go out to the web for that. So, yes, this I'm going to explore this. 
yeah, no matter what you're using, it's got support for it. Typeinator, you know, uh, it, it attaches to the deliveries app. Like if you select a, um, uh, shipping order, you can add it to deliveries app. Oh, that's great. It's, it's just, it's nuts. Uh, so anyway, check that one out. We'll do. Uh, I've got one that's uh, a little unusual, but it, it solved a problem uh, that I had, and it is called Mac Media Key Forwarder. It used to be High Sierra Media Key Enabler. Got to work on the names. But um, what this does is it makes the media keys on your keyboard. So I use an Apple keyboard, and you know F7 is back, F8 is play pause, F9 is forward, and and High Sierra Apple changed these keys from being locked to iTunes to basically controlling whatever foremost media was playing. So I would run to a situation where I wanted to pause iTunes, but maybe a video was playing in Messages, for instance, and Messages would hijack these keyboard commands. And I just, I found that really frustrating. For whatever reason, that just really grated on my nerves. And yeah. I found this app. It's free. Uh download it from the guy's website and it sits in the menu bar and it basically it it listens for those key commands and then it routes them to iTunes or alternatively you can route them to Spotify which is really nice so you can say okay if someone hits F8 play pause whatever's happening in in Spotify and uh it's been around for several years now I've used it uh I've got it on my iMac at all times and it just it makes the Mac work the way that my brain expects it to. I can never like mentally keep track of like, oh, what is going to happen if I hit this button? I just want it to do iTunes. That's all I want. And uh, and now it works. And it has some really nice stuff where you can set the app to pause if iTunes or Spotify aren't running. So if you don't want it always kind of monitoring things, you can say, hey, only only work if if iTunes is going on. Or if you have a need for those media keys elsewhere, for whatever reason, you can pause this app and use them how you want and then re-enable it. It's, it's pretty handy. And uh, it's one just, you know, in my mind, it's kind of the best example of a menu bar app. Like it is one thing and does it really well and it solves a problem. And that's what I look for in these little applications. Yeah, agreed. Uh, the next one I would talk about is kind of a companion to Fantastical. It's by the same company, Flexibits. Um, and this is one I did their original product videos for. They paid me to make their product videos and I got using it for that. And I'm like, Oh, wait a second. I, I really like this app. Um, I don't know if you remember, there used to be a menu bar app called Cobook, C-O-B-O-O-K, which was a really handy and easy way to access and add information to your contact database. Um, and then I think they got acquired and just things got weird and the app wasn't very good anymore. And, um, card hop is kind of the, the successor in my mind to Cobook. It's a menu bar application that gives you full access to your, um, to your contacts, but just like, you know, because the guys at Fantastical or Flexibits are always doing kind of parse text parsing and things like that, they've they've added that to your contacts database. So I can just start typing a phone number. Like if someone calls me and starts reading me their new phone number, I just open the card hop menu card hop menu bar app and I just start typing the phone number in. And then with just a two a few keyboard things, I can add that number to their contact database. Um so, and it's so much easier once again than going into the contacts app and trying to use the mouse and keyboard to find the person. And then you got to hit the edit button and then you got to click on the right field. I mean, there's like eight steps that seem to have to happen uh, that you can just entirely skip with something like card hop. 
Um, Cardhop also does the execution stuff too, where you can type a name and dial their phone number or open an email to them. There's, there's a whole bunch of extra things you can do with this application. Uh, one of the things I really like about it is you can assign people to groups because I'm all in with the iCloud address book. You know, I'm uh, fortunate. One of the nice things about owning your own business is you don't have to use somebody else's, you know, 365 or, or whatever. Um, so since I've got all of my contacts in a single Apple contacts database, I need to have group organization and I can assign groups to individual contacts with just the keyboard out of the menu bar with card hop, which I love. Yeah, it's great. It, it's really clever. And <laughs> Contacts is like one of the oldest Mac apps. Like if you look at address book in like Jaguar or something, some ancient version of, of Mac OS 10, it's like, oh, this is the same program. Like it, it, yeah. it does what it does yeah. and it's fine, but it has not really received much of modernizing <laughs> in any real way at all. And the way you add a new contact in the contacts app is great if you do like one a month. But, you know, I'm constantly adding sure. people to contacts and, and it's just, I, it's just, you know, I work that it's a database that I'm in every day. And mm -hmm. this just gives me that window into it. I do love the way Apple made that contacts database kind of a, um, available to any app that wants access Definitely. to them with user uh, support. I mean, that was smart because it allows things like um, card hop to exist and any updates I make to that data is still available in my contacts database. They, you know, they talk to each other just like the calendar apps do. Uh, up next for me is an app called Quitter. This is built by our friend uh, Marco Arment, and it's just a, a little menu bar app. And what it does is it is basically monitoring how long your applications have been running. And you can set up rules to say, for instance, uh, hide calendar after three minutes of inactivity, quit Tweetbot after five minutes of inactivity, you know, hide Slack after ten minutes, and it just it can go be go behind you and help clean up apps that maybe you wanted to quit or you want to hide. So for me, it's again, using those social media apps, you know, Hey, you know, it's fine if it's leaving running, but I don't need to open all the time. And if it's not visible, I'm not thinking about reading Twitter all the time or, or, or whatever. It's great. Uh, it's again, it's free. You can just download it from Marco's website and it, uh, it has helped me become more focused, uh, on my Mac over time for all these things that are open, just kind of quietly fade away and I can focus on what I'm actually doing. Yeah. I do something similar with keyboard maestro where I will mm -hmm. hide social media apps, uh, but I've never tried quitter. That's a, that's a good idea. Yeah. That's a thing that several apps have it as a feature. It's the only thing quitter does. And so, you know, if you have keyboard maestro or I think uh, rescue time and some others have similar features, but if you don't have any of those handy, and you just want this, Quitter is a nice alternative, I guess. And a very simple interface. Dead and, simple. Uh, anybody could use it. Mm -hmm. um, for weather, uh, years ago, I went crazy and bought a weather app for my Mac. I bought Carrot Weather just because I love Carrot Weather so much on iOS. So good. And, you know, and, um, and I don't know why I even need it in California. I mean, usually the weather. It's always amazing. Just doesn't change that much. <laughs> but recently we've been dealing with uh, rain here, which is nice. And uh, so I've, I've been using carrot weather more and, and usually I usually keep it in the bartender bar, but now it's, it's elevated to the main menu bar because we've had rain, uh, but it's nice. And uh, I know there's a ton of weather apps. You can even get weather, like you said earlier with iStep menus, if you mm -hmm. already have it. Uh, but I just like the SAS, you know, from Carrot Weather. So sure, I, I have it. It's hard. To, it's hard to beat it, honestly. 
looking through mine, I think I think maybe the only other one that's a little un, unusual, or at least not maybe widely known, is one called Dropshare. So Dropshare does uh, several different things. They have a cloud service, so if, if you want to upload a PDF or an image or something and share, just, hey, here's a URL just to this image, and you don't want to put it on your own website, you can share to Dropshare. It gets a URL that then you can send to somebody. So sometimes I'll use this on social media if I have a PDF I want to link to or if I want to upload a full res image somewhere and not have Twitter downsize it or whatever. Uh, useful for that. Uh, and I use it that way. But it also has support for lots of different online storage. So S3, Dropbox, Rackspace, uh, Backblaze storage, all these different things. You could even like basically plug in your own server to it and say, hey, instead of opening something like Transmit, which is a, an excellent FTP app for the Mac, I just want to put this in this like really like w- well-known S3 bucket that I use all the time. And you can drag it into the menu bar or, or do it from the contextual menu in Finder, and it will upload the file. When it's done, you'll get a notification and the URL will be put on your clipboard. So then you can paste that link, whether it be to Dropshare's own service, or like I said, uh, another server of your choosing, and just make sharing stuff uh, really pretty simple. There, there are other things that do this, but I think Dropshare wins because you can do it, you can share to their own service or to a custom destination, again, like an S3 bucket or something. So I have several destinations set up in there. I have you know, several different places I need to upload files from time to time. And it's just really simple and a lot faster than you know, opening a server directly and transmit or, you know, going to the web and uploading somewhere. I can just do it right from Finder where I already am and saves a lot of time. Yeah, I have a Dropshare account too. And this is another one I discovered through Setup. And I use it just for putting a picture in the show notes and things like that when I want to mm-hmm. share something on the internet and have a simple way to do it. it. And it's great. You can put almost anything up there. And once you configure it, it's going to find a place to put it for you. Yeah. Uh, so I got a question about about one of yours. Uh, th- again, this is an app that I've I've tinkered with a little bit, but I don't have it installed, and I know it can do basically anything. And that's a better touch tool. How how are you using this? I'm really curious how you have it set oh, up. Oh man, I you know I I'm even tempted to do a whole video on better touch tool because it's just so powerful. Um, the uh, so what it does is it's an app that deals with uh, input devices. I think it started out just with the mouse or maybe the touch bar, um, the uh, trackpad. Um, but you can start making all sorts of cool inputs for it. So, for example, if you've got a track, let's say you've got a trackpad laptop, um, and you want to say anytime I put down, you know, three fingers and then tap an additional finger, I want the whatever, you know, app I'm working on to take full screen or take the left side of the screen. You can, you can do that. You can teach it, you know, you know, like Apple has these built in gesture support on the trackpads, but it's limited and it does limited things. Better touch tool allows you to go a step further like that. Or let's say you want to say, I am, I double tap with four fingers. And when I do that, I want it to close out all of my apps and open up, you know, my task manager, my writing tool and start playing some music. I mean, it's just like, it, it allows you to customize the way your Mac works and it's all based on these touch gestures you do. And it started out with the trackpad, but then of course, Apple came out with a magic mouse that's touch sensitive. So uh, the developer built in support for that. 
And then Apple has the touch bar on the laptops now. So he's built in support for that. I would argue if you have a Mac with touch bar and you don't like the touch bar and you think it's dumb, this is the app that might straighten that out for you because you can have it like where it displays the time or um, calendar events or you know, you can customize the information that appears on the touch bar on the laptop. Um, it just it's a single developer who's been able to turn this in the last year into a full-time job, which always makes me happy when I hear about that. Cause then the app only gets better when the, yeah. you know, developers working yeah. on it full time. And every time Apple has anything that involves input to your computer, he adds support to it. Um, and this is another one I believe is part of setup these days. So <laughs> I guess we're selling setup subscriptions today, but, but a better <laughs> touch tool is a, is a great little app. I keep it in the menu bar. Frankly, it's in the bartender version, you know, it's in the second level, but I, mm-hmm. I go up there and start fiddling with things. And just anytime I, I particularly use it for window management, I find it really useful for window management because I can just do different taps with my fingers. I grew up playing the piano. It almost feels like I'm playing the piano on my touch bar. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, I need to explore that. I think particularly on my MacBook Pro, where uh, I'm definitely in that camp where I'm not sold on the touch bar, even three years in. Yeah. Well, this allows you to add some information to it. Whether you actually look down at the information is another story. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. That's my big thing is why I'm looking at the looking at the screen. But, yeah. Uh, everybody, nobody uh, likes the uh, the touch bar and the podcasting racket, you know. But the uh, I was just talking to a friend recently who's uh, just a just a lawyer, not a fancy nerd, and man, he loves his touch bar. And the thing that occurred to me is he this is a guy who will never learn keyboard shortcuts. But then he gets them all on screen with the touch bar. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I get it. I, I don't think I'd be a big touch bar person either. Uh, but but the I think there there definitely is a group of people out there that like it. I'm not sure if it's worth the money they charge for it, though. That's a story for a different day, I think. Yeah. <laughs> this episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by OmniFocus. Get the latest version of OmniFocus version 3 that's out for your Mac, iPad, and iPhone. There's some features in this new version I really love, uh, like the unique design that makes it smart and makes useful changes without making changes for the sake of making change itself. They've also added several features to the application that I've been using a lot, including tags. Adding tags to OmniFocus gives you the ability to have multiple vectors to get into your OmniFocus database and find exactly what you need precisely when you need it. I, I was originally not real excited about tags. I wasn't sure if it was something I used, but now I'm fully on board with this. I've got tags ranging from very particular things I do for legal, like a specific website I go. I, I just added one for the Indiana Secretary of State. So now whenever I go to the Indiana Secretary of State website, which is something I do, um, I just click on that tag and it gives me a list of all of the tasks in my big OmniFocus database that are available to me and I need to handle so I can do it all with one login. Um, I also do it with the stickers I send out to listeners of the show. It's just like these tags are multiplying, Stephen, I tell you, uh, so that they can ha- help you manage the big things, but they also help you manage the little things. 
Um, I even added a tag recently for bills because as bills come in, sometimes they fit into different projects or areas of my life. But when I want to sit down to pay bills, I don't care. I just want to get them all surface so I can take care of them all at once. Anyway, I use OmniFocus every day to keep my life together. There's no way I could run a law practice, a video business, three podcasts, and be a dad without all the powerful tools that OmniFocus gives me. So why not check it out for yourself? Head over to the OmniFocus website and download the free trial. That's right. You can download a free trial and check it out. Um, I've got an OmniFocus field guide. I think the introductory materials is like 30 minutes. So you can watch a free video for 30 minutes. See if it can work out for you. Uh, we hear from lots of listeners that have got on the OmniFocus bandwagon and they love it and it's making them more productive as we, you know, are and still kind of in what I'd call the new year. If you're having trouble keeping it all together, let OmniFocus help you. Uh, so uh, once again, that's over at the OmniFocus website over at Omnigroup.com. So so what's n- next on your massive menu bar. Yeah, I have a lot. I guess I should start going through them faster. Um, the uh, drop zone is one that deserves a little commentary. Uh, there's a whole bunch of shelf-based menu bar apps, and when you drag a file up towards the menu bar, it drops a little shelf you can put a file on. Um, I have found drop zone to be my favorite. I keep trying others to see if they're going to replace it, but they never do. The thing I like about drop zone is it allows you to add automations So like you can create a drop zone widget to say, anytime I drop and on this part of drop zone, uh, move the file to a certain location on my hard drive. I use that for that action folder that I use with Hazel all the time. So it's, and it's a move as opposed to a copy. And I get to choose that. Like I have another one that says copy file to desktop. So anytime I'm anywhere on my Mac, whether it's an email or in the finder or whatever, I can just drop it on the copy to desktop, um, a drop zone button because a lot of times I have a lot of windows open. I don't have the desktop available to me and it just copies it to the desktop. And because it's a copy, I know I can email it or play with it and then delete it. And it doesn't matter. Then it's just a very powerful tool for that stuff, but it also is a great shelf to just hold a bunch of files. So if I'm getting ready to send a big email or prepare a presentation, like a presentation is another great example. I'll be getting graphics out of Safari and then I'll have keynote on the right side of the screen. I'll have keynote on the left side of the screen. I just go through Safari, grab all those graphics, drop them into drop zone. And then I go over to keynote and then I can just take them out of drop zone at will and drop them into my presentation. Um, uh, shelf apps are a great idea. If you don't have one on your Mac, you should definitely try them. And I would start out with drop zone. But yeah, shelf apps are great. I use, I use one on the iPad all the time. Just like they just stash some stuff over here. I know it'll be here when I need it. And it's great if you're moving between apps a lot, especially on, um, on iOS. All right. So it looks like they're just me left. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we've got a lot, we've got a lot of that overlap, yeah. uh, that we, that we're both using. Um, uh, I think one that, that again, we, we could do a whole and have done whole shows and videos on is, uh, is Hazel, you know, something for me that without it running, my Mac feels a little bit broken because things aren't happening on their own. Yeah. I've had that broom in my menu bar for many, many years. Uh, in, in the utility mode, uh, another one that I use is trip mode, which is if you have a laptop, this is an outstanding menu bar app. Yes. Uh, it, it allows you to um, limit the types of apps that have access to the internet. And when you're, when you're tethering, you know, it can really help you out. I mean, I, I've had the situation where I tethered 
And then one of my podcast partners dropped a multi gigabyte file into a shared Dropbox folder <laughs> and then burned through all, game over, <laughs> yeah, burned through all my data for the month, you know? Yeah. Uh, so with trip mode, you can say, Hey, ignore Dropbox or whatever. I actually, I got this idea from Jason Snell is I use it also on my iMac when I'm podcasting, I turn trip mode on, it turns off a bunch of internet hogs. So I know I've got a real clean bandwidth to the internet mm-hmm. during the podcast. Yeah, I've got it on my MacBook Pro and it's it's a lifesaver even you know uh, on the road. We've all done that, right? Cuz the 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 macOS has gotten better about realizing that it's tethered, but even if you're not tethered, say you're just on like slow hotel Wi-Fi and you know that if you are syncing your photos library that your email's not going to come through, then uh, you can even use it in cases like that and sort of prioritize, "Hey, I really need this to work. I don't care about these these other things. I feel like if Apple's paying attention, trip mode has got to be on their Sherlock whiteboard. Oh yeah. I would, I would, the Mac should be smarter about these sorts of situations. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, some others that I use uh, day one, I've, I've been making a a much more significant effort to journal and Mm -hmm. I keep the day one in the menu bar at the second level. Uh, just to inspire you know, just remind me to create entries because day one makes it very easy to add an entry there. It's not really a what I would call a traditional menu bar app, but it it serves the purpose for that. I think one that uh, a lot of people will be f- familiar with, uh, we just we just spoke about it on our Mac Mini episode, is Screens Connect, where I can uh, make sure that this iMac is accessible to me when I'm uh, outside of the home. Uh, I have it also set up on my Mac Mini server. And you know, it sits in the menu bar, and I can, uh, I can know that if I'm off my network and I need in, that Screens Connect will have that bridge ready for me. Yeah. In fact, I I talked in that show about creating a script uh, that could trigger via Hazel launching the application, yes. so you don't have to leave your thing open. It's on my list. I've actually started to outline that screencast and the work, and I even heard from a listener that gave me some great script, some 2001 script about Dave and Hal. So. Uh, that is going to happen. I just haven't done it yet. Um, <laughs> well, now, now you've committed to it. So oh, yeah, you're, I'm, you're in I'm, now. It's on my list. It's it's going to happen. Good. Um, Good. Uh, another one uh, that I recently added is uh, because I use block schedule, I do like to kind of know how I'm doing and where I'm at. Uh, so, and this is something that makes people great. If you don't like time tracking, Stephen, you're going to hate this, but I, I plan out my days <laughs> in a lot of ways. Like uh, I'll say like, I'll have an hour and a half set aside to deal with the Max Sparky email and the flight tasks I have for Max Sparky for that day. And, and so I want to kind of keep on target with that. I find that sometimes I, I get doing something and I lose track. I usually put alarms on the appointments. I don't always remember to do that. Uh, so I, I downloaded this goofy little app from the app store called how long left. And in the menu bar, it just shows you your current appointment and how long is left on it. You know, like for instance, right now, the time I've allotted to record this episode, there's 58 minutes left. It says Mac power users Mm -hmm. on menu bars, 58 minutes. (laughs) So uh, that's kind of nice to have that information available to you in the menu bar. And uh, I I think it's a very kind of weird thing. Not everybody's going to need it, but it it helps. That's cool. So we've talked a couple of times now about your calendaring and stuff. You also have on your list Instacal, which I was not familiar with. Where does this fit in? Uh, you know, I was just playing with it. Honestly, it's uh, it's gone now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we've been working this week. But this was another one instead app. I just wanted to check it out. And uh, between Fantastical and the updated uh, iStat calendar, I'm good. 
So yeah. I, I, that one actually has died while the show was okay. in production. <laughs> that happens. Uh, we'll get to one later that I am temporarily using uh, in another space in my Mac that <laughs> is not usually there. Yeah. Um, uh, another probably, you know, pretty common one for our listeners for me is Dropbox, where basically most of my files on my computer <laughs> where they are. Uh, yeah. It is... Dropbox is my file system for better or for worse, and it means everything accessible in iOS. And Dropbox for me is a bunch of shared folders, which is why I'm still on it and not iCloud Drive because Apple hasn't gotten around to that, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it sits up there, it's syncing everything. I do have some folders set to not sync, which is uh, helpful if you know. For instance, I'm shared with a lot of podcast shows that I don't work with on a regular basis, but I may need access to their files. And so, I would have, you know, gigabytes of audio moving around all the time. So I just unchecked those. They're available to me if I need them. But it's something that, you know, it's one of the first things installed on a clean Mac for me. Well, I do wish Dropbox did a better job of of that interface, allowing you to unshare or not download certain folders. The way they do mm-hmm. it is pretty, pretty odd. Yeah, it's it's a little, some of their stuff on the Mac, their Mac apps a little, a little questionable, but... Um... Uh, it's where my stuff is. Yeah, I get <laughs> at it. this point. I get it. Uh, another one that fits really good in the menu bar, which people aren't, aren't as aware of, is Default Folder X. Default Folder is a great app that allows you to replace the save and open dialog boxes, and gives mm-hmm. you way more information. It lets you apply tags. It lets you have favorites or recently accessed folders. Um, and you know, I don't know how I stumbled onto the fact that they also have a menu bar app. I guess I had disabled it for years, but recently put it back in play. And it's a great little menu bar app because all those things that you like in the save and open dialog box now are available in your menu bar. So if you're working and you want to get back to a folder you were just in 30 minutes ago, uh, you don't have to like fiddle your way through the finder. You can just go to the default folder uh, menu bar item and access it that way. I think I'm, I'm I'm almost at the end of my list, so why don't you go again? <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, just just the last few. Um, yeah, we've talked about Keyboard Maestro. They have a menu bar app because I'm working on a yes. Keyboard Maestro field guide. I'm I'm running the menu bar app. I don't find I use it too much. I just open Keyboard Maestro when I need it. Um, I'm testing right now. I, there was a bunch of articles written between, I think it was the Wall Street Journal and John Gruber about um, camera and microphone monitoring. And it got me thinking about microphone monitoring. And um, so I downloaded, I'm, I'm testing right now an app called MicroSnitch. Um, it's by the same guys that make LaunchBar and Little Snitch. And it's an app that monitors anytime your camera or your microphone is turned on. And that's a kind of nice, typical, what you would think of as something in the menu bar. Um, ExpressVPN is a, now a sponsor of some of my shows. That's a VPN service. Mm-hmm. And uh, they gave me a trial account. So I've been testing it. And I do like having a VPN in my menu bar. I think this would be particularly helpful if you were on a laptop and going yes. into like a Starbucks or, a, you know, someplace that had open Wi-Fi that you wanted to use. That's uh, where mine is on my MacBook. You know, I have it installed on the iMac, but my MacBook Pro, it's in the menu bar. It's ready to go at all times. Yeah, so you just click a button in your menu bar, and then you've got an Express Connect. You've got a VPN connection to the internet. And mm-hmm. uh, no matter which VPN service you use, they uh, I think most of them have that available. They do, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's really handy because you know it's easy to forget about it, and if it's in your menu bar looking at you, you're like, oh yeah, yeah I should turn that on. <laughs> I should uh, protect my connection. Another one, another one that I rely on is ScreenFlow. I mean, when I'm in producing screencasts, uh, ScreenFlow's menu bar icon is actually very helpful because I'm constantly changing devices and um, and uh, uh, audio sources and things like that. And the the way they did the ScreenFlow menu bar app, it's it's quite helpful for making quick changes to settings like that. That's cool. That's really cool. And I think that's kind of it for me. Yeah, I think my uh, my only ones we haven't really touched on, but you know, will we'll be familiar to to Mac Packager listeners. Uh, one password and backblaze yes. and text expander. So kind of the big three. How did I miss uh, all three of those I use? But anyway. Doing yeah. doing your list is like four pages long. Yeah, I, I mean is <laughs> <laughs> when right past them. Yeah. Uh again, things that I depend on every single day and uh apps that I definitely have got my money's worth out over and over. Yeah, text expander fits nicely as a menu bar app because if you're like me, you've got a lot of expansion snippets you've created over the years. Uh, there is a keyboard shortcut where you can search them on the fly, but I've got this muscle memory where I just go to the menu bar and search the database. And quite often, because um, I'll have forgot what my snippet text was, if it's something I haven't used very often. And uh, that's really nice in the menu bar that way. Mm-hmm. I'm the same way. I know that keyboard shortcut exists. I don't know if I've, if I've ever used it. <laughs> This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Setup, the app subscription service created by the developers of Clean My Mac. Setup is the Mac app suite that should have been. The makers like to think of it as an app buffet because you pay one fee and gain immediate access to an ever-growing collection of over 130 of the best Mac apps on the market, and they're all curated to make your day more productive. The collection grows as members recommend apps, so there's no need to buy separate licenses or subscriptions for apps like Ulysses, Flume, or iStat Menus. They're all right there in the Setup Store, which has an impeccable design modeled to be just as beautiful as the device it functions on. Now, the Setup Collection covers basically every category of app you could think of. Graphic design, Coding, task managers, personal finance, audio enhancement, photo editing, travel, email clients, and more. Try every single app in the Setup Collection for free with their one-week free trial. Go to setapp.com now to check out the apps and try it for free. That's setapp, S-E-T-A-P-P dot com. Our thanks to Setup for their support of this show and Relay FM. Okay, um, let's talk a little bit. Let's get off menu bar apps. <laughs> We've been okay. at it for a while. Um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about dock apps. How, oh, boy. How do you use the dock, Stephen? I, I use the dock in the pretty, I think, pretty standard way of an app launcher. So my list is fairly long. It's apps that I use every single day. Uh, apps that aren't in here, I launch with Alfred. But it's stuff that I, you know, run most of the time. So I want it nearby or things that run in the background often enough that I want to keep an eye, you know, on their batch count. You know, so I, I want to see if someone sent me a calendar invite or I have a, a DM in Slack. The, the apps may be hidden, but I still want to see their, you know, what's going on within them. So I think I'm a pretty traditional doc user, really. Uh, I don't have a ton in the way of stacks at the at the end of it, just Dropbox and downloads. Uh, I think it's pretty conservative as far as 
as docs go, as we are going to see, uh, not everyone follows my methodology to this, but that's fine. And you keep it on the right side of the screen, you said. It is on the right side of the screen. And I know sometimes people get fired up about doc placement. And <laughs> we don't have to do that. We can accept where I put it is correct and every other place is wrong and we can just move on. Yeah, but then you'd be wrong because I keep it on the <laughs> left side. No! Yeah. Well, you got the crazy second display. Like the dock has gotten better over the years with multi monitor display. So if it's at the bottom, it'll come up on the bottom on either, on either display and that sort of thing. But I've used it to the side for a long time and I, I missed the. You know, it used to be that you could pin it to the end, so it'd be at the bottom right. I yeah. miss those days. Yeah, uh, I don't have any zoom on or any of like the fancy visuals. It's just uh, they're just there all the time, not hidden. These icons are always visible, just hanging out there on the right side of my iMac and MacBook Pro. Yeah, so I I keep it on the left side because I like mm-hmm. you said I have a, a, an extra monitor to the right, and you can't you don't have a dock and a monitor. It just causes all sorts of trouble. So keep it on the left side, but I kept it hidden. And also I don't do the zoom. I, I just don't care for the zoom animation and I don't keep so many apps in there that I would need it. Um, but the, um, but I've always had it hidden. I just like the pristine look when I look at my screen and there's almost no color or anything on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, prepping the show and seeing how you use, it, I said, well, I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to leave it unhidden now. So it's been unhidden for about a week. And you know what? I kind of like it now, but I'm not sure, except for the badges. That's the only real benefit I get from it. I run my computer so much on a keyboard. You had mentioned earlier that you use um, Alfred. I use LaunchBar. And so often, do I, you know, that's the way I get to stuff is I don't use like clicking on uh, something in mm-hmm. the dock. So for me, it's almost entirely informational. And I have not turned hiding back on yet. I don't know how long this is going to last, but... Um, <laughs> it's good to experiment it, and to mix things up. The, so. the the other thing is I don't keep any apps by default in the dock. Uh, Whoa. It's just, you know, my dock, if I close enough apps, it gets really empty really fast. And mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know, because I never launch things from the dock. It just, you know, to me, a keyboard is the only way a civil, civilized Mac user would do it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely launch things from Alfred that are just sitting there in the dock, right? Like it's not, it's not all or nothing, but um, so with Mojave, they added a feature like they did in iOS 12, where recent apps can be added to your dock. So I have all my regular apps and there's a divider and there's the three most recent ones. And so for me, they happen to be the dictionary the Mac App Store, and text edit. So those aren't normally in my dock, but they are right now because I had them open recently. Do you have that enabled on Mojave or is that too much movement for you? No, I have it turned off. I just don't, I just don't use it. I mean, just don't use it. Yeah. I, I, I think, I wonder how helpful that is. I'd be curious to hear in the forums if people like that feature or not. I've had a lot of feedback from family members like, well, why is this here? You know, why are they moving around? It's like the dock is supposed to be what I control it. And now it's have a, li- a life of its own. So I'm curious to know if people like it or not. I-, I like it because very often I'll need that app, you know, and then I may need it again. You know, if I'm doing some sort of weird workflow thing or uh, I kind of just like having a little uh, trail there of apps I've recently been in, but I can see why people wouldn't like it. There's a cool terminal command. Uh, that you can make the doc have like different categories of things like recent documents, recent folders, recent apps. 
I wrote about it in Max Sparky ages. I'll look it up. And I, I don't even have it activated myself right now. Also, Brett and I included it in one of the 60 tips, 60 Mac tips books. I don't remember which one. But last time I checked, that still works. And that's kind of cool. So, like, if you want your doc to have uh, in your most recent folders, uh, you just mm-hmm. run a terminal command. You get to choose what it's going to do. You can do. You can even put like blank spaces in at the terminal. There's a lot of stuff you can do there. It's it's a lot more flexible than it appears. You know, it's a lot of power looking under the surface. Yeah. Now, do you keep like your downloads folder and you know the other stuff Apple wants you to keep in your dock uh, there? Yeah. So I keep uh, a stack for my Dropbox folder. Again, Dropbox is where a lot of things are. Um, and so I can quickly get into that and, you know, open the subfolder that I want. And then I, I do have a stack for downloads. So I use downloads sort of in a way that may be a little unusual. Obviously, it's things that my browser or messages, whatever downloads, they go there. But I don't use my desktop very often for ongoing projects. So, for instance, when I go to edit this episode of Mac Power Users, that's I'm going to be working on this, you know, tomorrow, maybe a little bit into Wednesday. And I keep those working projects in my downloads folder for a couple of reasons. One, I have Backblaze ignore my downloads folder. And if you're editing in Logic, you're creating a lot of big files and Backblaze will just chew on it endlessly. And it's still backed up by Time Machine, so I have some safety there. Yeah. Uh, so Dropbox is sort of like a temporary holding ground for big projects. And it also just makes my desktop a little bit cleaner because I, like you, make a lot of screenshots. You know, if someone asks me a question or, or something, and I don't want to spill the beans on anything by having like secret project X, you know, on my desktop. Yeah. Uh, nor do I want to accidentally delete it on my desktop, right? I want to keep my desktop... Basically, anything there is temporary. So like right now, for instance, there's a couple screenshots I've taken today and the folder that Call Recorder is using right now to to record this Skype call, there's nothing else there. And so downloads for me is kind of a playground of things I'm working on, things I need to do. And so I keep it in the dock uh, just handy there, ready to go. I do something similar. So I have this action folder that I, I talk about on the show often, and it's the folder, the primary folder that Hazel looks at, but it's also kind of like the triage room for my, my digital device, digital data. And like, I have a drop zone thing I talked about earlier, where it just takes the file and moves it into that action folder. And I, uh, and I have that in the dock. The action folder is accessible from the nice. dock. I, I even uh, turned off, if you, you can go in Safari and tell it to save, rather than saving to downloads, to save it to some other location. And I mm-hmm. save downloads to the action folder. So I just have one place. I just have one digital inbox for files on my Mac. And, and so I do have that accessed in the dock as well. Okay, but Steven, since, since I don't, my dock is empty if I don't have any apps running. Yeah. Largely, what do you have that is always in your dock? I feel like this is my version of your menu bar. Like, I didn't think okay. this list was long until I read that you don't keep anything in yours. I, I'm just a weirdo, so don't, don't, don't worry about that. The beauty of the Mac is that it's customizable and you can do what you want. So, uh, so I've got Finder, which is there all the time, uh, Messages, Mail, as we've discussed, I use the default mail client, it's there. And then I have Slack. Slack and email kind of go together in my mind is like, this is work stuff. Uh, so it's there. Um, OmniFocus, uh, TweetBot, which is my Twitter client, uh, Chrome. So I, I don't use Safari. I use Chrome for a bunch of reasons. Uh, so Chrome is there. A bunch of reasons basically that I have some some web stuff that I do like on a weekly, sometimes multiple times a week basis that just doesn't play nice with Safari. 
And so for a long time, I was using Safari. And then when I needed to do those tasks, I'd go to Chrome. And I eventually just caved and used Chrome for everything. Uh, Chrome also can play higher res YouTube videos, which is nice. Um, and uh, I have an iMac Pro with a ton of RAM, so it can run it just fine. Uh, so I got Chrome. Uh, then I've got Notes and Calendar. So again, apps that kind of go together in a way in my mind. I use Reader, uh, R-E-E-D-E-R, for a uh, for my RSS uh, reading on the Mac. So I have a, a Feedbin account that syncs with that. I use RSS all day, every day. Um, and Reader is how I do that on the Mac. Reader for the Mac has a, a questionable uh, track record when it comes to upgrades. They keep it running and supported, but it you know they'll sort of disappear for a while and they come out with a new version and um but I like it better than anything else I've used on the Mac and I don't want to do it in the browser. I like having a Mac app for this, so uh reader continues to hang on for me uh then it's kind of a dumb question sure did, does the doc respect the order of those apps for the apps that you leave in permanently? Yes, it does, yeah, so you can yeah. launch them or close them they all stay where they where they are so yeah um yeah, because the way you use it. It's whatever was opened last gets added to the bottom or to the right. So it's, yeah, I mean, you're, you're making me wrong. think I should copy some of mine in there that just because they're like there's you know mail, Safari, OmniFocus, things that are always open. Yeah, yeah. just give it a try. Come come over to our side. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, so I've got day one, which you you covered. Great journaling app for the Mac. Uh, I try to use it all the time. I don't journal every day, but I want to. So it's on the home screen in my iPhone and on the dock on my Mac, basically dead center. Yeah. That's what I call aspirational location. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's right on the home screen, right where Tweetbot used to be. Now you do yeah. some more. Uh, then I have uh, Apple's photos application. I use iCloud photos for everything. Uh, iTunes. I'm an Apple music subscriber. So I'm still using that desktop iTunes. And you know what? It's not as bad as people say. It's not great, but it's not as bad as people say. Uh, up next is the most recent change in my doc, and I'm not sold on this yet, uh, but in the next slot is IA Writer, which is a, a markdown editor. It syncs over iCloud to their Mac application. I am struggling with this a little bit. I used to use ByWord, which is a, just a pretty plain Jane markdown editor, and I would just have all my text files on Dropbox in various folders. Uh, you know, Most of this writing is either for my own blog or for Mac stories or six colors, you know, other places I write online. And so I end up filing them in those project folders when I'm done with them. And so now I'm like writing an IA writer and then exporting to those folders when I'm done. I like the application, but I'm not sold on the organizational side of it yet. But by word, by all things I can see, at least, I don't know if it's abandonware, but I think, I think it's done getting updates. It hasn't been updated in a long time. And uh, I'm not sure the developer is actively working on it. So I'm nervous that at some point ByWord will give up the ghost, where, whereas IA Writer is still being developed, still getting lots of updates. It's actually a really nice iOS app. I really like it on the iPad in particular. Uh, so that one is my writing app right now. And like I said, I'm not sure I'm going to stick with that, but it's, it's there for now. Uh, and then I sort of have the last four are sort of utility apps. So I have uh, 1Password, uh, Skype, which I use multiple times a week for podcasting and for meetings and that sort of thing. So Skype is there. Uh, Audio Hijack, which I use to uh, record podcasts. So I use uh, Skype to record stuff, but uh, my primary recording is done in Audio Hijack, a great app by Rogue Amoeba. If you do audio stuff on the Mac, you, you should definitely check out if you haven't. 
Uh, and then lastly, I have Textual, uh, which is a a Mac app for IRC chats. So for relay shows that record live, which my other three do, uh, we have a chat room that happens in IRC. Textual was just the Mac OS app that I found first. It's fine. It's nothing special, but uh, it lets me connect to those IRC rooms and and talk with listeners as we record and that sort of thing. So I use that several times a week. So it's it's earned a spot there at the at the end of the dock. I noticed Launchpad wasn't there. <laughs> no, I don't use Launchpad. Does uh, anybody use Launchpad? I don't think anybody does. I I, I like let's hear it from you in the forums if you use Launchpad. I, yeah. I feel like that's an app that. Nobody wanted and nobody ever uses. I just opened mine and like, they're not even in alphabetical order. It's, I don't know what order these apps are in. It's just chaos in here. Yeah. I never want to see this again. I'm going to close. Maybe, that. <laughs> maybe the uh, Venn diagram of people who like the, um, the launch pad and the, uh, with, I forget what's the thing on the laptop, the little bar across the top again, touch bar, touch bar. Yeah. The touch bar and the launch pad. I think that that's an overlap. <laughs> I guess the idea is good, but uh, it's not for me. Uh, again, I can do it from the dock or I can do it from Alfred or Spotlight or whatever really quickly. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing for me is uh, the, the thing you've opened my eyes up to with this is using the dock as uh, a source of information, a reference information, you mm-hmm. know, like the the badges on the apps. I mean, because I honestly, I, I launch everything with a keyboard and even even though I've had it visible for a week. I, I don't think I've opened a single app by clicking on it. <laughs> well, you know, there's a, there's a balance, you know, some of, a lot of these apps have both menu bar and dock icons. Some of these apps, you can even say hide one or the other, right? So like, I don't want to see you in the dock. I just want to see you in the menu bar, which is like a, a yeah. fun thing that Matt can do. Well, well, like I, I thought the day one was a good example. You use day one in the dock. And I think that is actually better than the way I'm using it in the menu bar. I like it there. So, you know, it's, it's preference. And again, the Mac is flexible enough that we can do these sorts of things and, and work very differently, but still I'll be kind of comfortable with how our machines are set up. This episode of the Mac power users is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace, make your next move and enter offer code MPU at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. So it's time for you to make your next move. Maybe you want to build a website or start an online store or make a portfolio. You can do all of those things with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain and award-winning templates and more. I have lots of friends that want to set up businesses or they have ideas. Maybe they're getting married. They want to put something on the internet. And because I'm a nerd, they always come to me and they want me to help them build their website. Well, this is the magic of Squarespace. I don't have to do it. I can hook them up with Squarespace and they can make a beautiful website. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do anything you want with respect to a website without having to understand how websites work. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. They handle the whole widget. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. As I was talking about earlier, I had a friend uh, recently coming over to set up a new business and we set up a new Squarespace website. I had her here for about an hour. And in that time, we were able to get the domain, which you can get right through Squarespace. We got the, uh, the homepage art done. I showed her how to add blog entries. 
and she was ready to go. Then she took the Squarespace website from there. She went home. She spent some more time on it. She's made a beautiful website, and she has that completely under her control. Uh, and like I said, I don't have to be the one that goes in every time she wants to make a change. She's totally capable of doing that herself. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. But you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash MPU. And when you decide to sign up, use their offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for the Mac Power users. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash MPU and the code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for all of their support and all of the help they've given to our friends as they've been wanting to set up their own websites. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So I thought we could round this out by talking about startup apps. So apps that launch a startup. There's a lot of overlap here, obviously, with menu bar apps. So we've kind of filtered this out to startup apps that aren't in the menu bar necessarily. And yeah. then third-party system preference panes. So a lot of applications can actually install preference panes right in system preferences. It's not super common, but it's possible. I thought we could could finish up talking about that sort of stuff. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with that, if you go to your system preferences, there's a tab there for users and groups. And once you click on that, click on your individual account and there's a login items tab there. And it shows you all the apps that just load in automatically as your Mac starts up. If you've ever been annoyed uh, with your Mac starting up, taking time and you see all these apps showing up on the screen that you never use, uh, you can go into this login item list and delete the ones you don't need, and it'll speed up your boot up. Mm-hmm. So mine is full of those menu bar apps I talked about earlier, but there are two uh, that aren't necessarily menu bar apps. One, we mentioned Alfred, which can run with a menu bar icon. I have the icon turned off. This ensures that when I log in, Alfred is running within a couple of seconds. And then I have, uh, it's labeled CCC user agent. But what this is, is the background process for Carbon Copy Cloner, which is what I use to make bootable backups of my Mac's internal storage. And then I have some external drives that I duplicate with this as well. And I have my task set up in Carbon Copy Cloner to say, hey, when the destination and the source hard drives are both plugged in, go ahead and fire off that backup. And if you haven't run it in two or three weeks, uh, send a push notification and say, hey, Stephen, time to back up your drives. What are you doing? Get on this. And so this runs in the background and does those things for me. And uh, it has saved my bacon a, a bunch of times uh, to have um, Carbon Copy Cloner handy. And again, this little user agent just makes it a little bit easier to start backups. So I can just plug the drive in and, and know that it's going to get started on its own because this little friend is is uh, watching for those drives to mount automatically. Yeah, a couple, I, like you, know, most of mine are apps I've already discussed today, but a couple that are, are new to today's discussion. One is Moom, which is a great window manager, and um, uh, that runs up as a login item for me. Um, Luna Display, which I've been having a lot of fun with, which allows me to control my um, my Mac from my iPad, which is another sometimes sponsor. And then uh, AirBuddy, which is a new one I just bought, uh, which is kind of a cool little utility. It allows me, when I open up my AirPods, they just connect and give me the screen on my Mac that you're used to seeing on the iPhone and the iPad. And uh, just a great way to, like if you use your AirPods with your Mac, it's a nice little utility for that. And then the last one is Clean My Mac. 
X, uh, which is also a menu bar app. I just forgot to mention, but it's a great app to kind of clean your system out. And um, it has the ability to uh, give you a message once in a while saying, Hey, it's been a while since you ran me. Are you sure you don't want me to clean your system for you? And it's kind of like getting the oil changed on your car. Uh, I like that's one where I'll take the notification because I, I, I will run the app and it does a pretty good job of, you know, kind of running whatever scripts need to be run. Uh, the newest version actually looks for malware and it also at the same time finds buckets of big buckets of gigabytes of data that you probably don't need anymore. You can get rid of super handy. Uh, as far as yeah. preference panes, third-party preference panes, I have uh, Backblaze has one, so that's where you go in and you manage. Hey, I want you to back up these drives. I want you to ignore these folders. Uh, one thing people may not know about is you can actually set the speed at which it transfers. So I have mine set to automatic, so it kind of monitors my network and will upload as fast as it can without really causing other issues. But if you're on limited bandwidth. You could go in there and say, hey, you know what? I actually just want you to um, to back up at this speed. And it'll give you a little indication of, you know, how many days it would take to finish its current task. So uh, really helpful, really uh, pretty flexible in what you can do with Backblaze. It's, it's really smart about excluding certain things. And so, for instance, on one of my external drives, I have a folder called Scratch, which just if I need to store something big temporarily, again, don't clog up my backblaze with it. Just hold on to it on this drive. Uh, it can be a nice little trick. Yeah, that, that's a nice app. Uh, Hazel's one we've talked about already, but uh, that's where the Hazel program lives in your system preferences. It's it's odd that way. Yeah, it, this is sort of an older style of doing things. I, I feel like we don't see a lot of um, new Mac apps uh, using the preference pane system, but uh, it's it's here. And, and like we said, apps definitely still do it. You said you have Logitech Control Center in your uh, I system do. preferences. So uh, the mouse that I use, uh, which is a Logitech uh, Performance MX, uh, you can set Cernit um, characteristics of the mouse in this. So like scroll speed and a couple of those things. If you have a Logitech keyboard or a more modern Logitech mouse, they also show up in here. So you can set various settings for those input devices. And it you know monitors the little receiver you have to use and that sort of thing. So that's all uh, there in the preference pane. Although Logitech does send you out to a standalone app for some things. So, so they do it a little bit messy. Not everything in this, including the icon, is retina yet, which is really hideous. But <laughs> it gets the job done. I, I had a bad experience with Logitech software years ago with some Logitech. I think it was a keyboard I had or something. And it was causing all sorts of trouble with my Mac. And it took me days to figure out that it was the Logitech driver software. So that makes me hesitant to install anything from them. Um, That's totally fair. <laughs> has, it, has it worked okay for you? I mean, that... it's been fine. Yeah. I mean, I haven't had any, any system issues like that, but it it definitely doesn't feel like it's there main uh uh their main focus yeah i don't think they have a real big mac team there at logitech i don't think so either yeah uh the last one for me and i this is the temporary one but i wanted to be transparent with our listeners i currently have the quark express update (laughs) preference pane installed what so I used to, in college, high school and college and after college, I did a lot of Quark Express work. Yeah. Student newspaper, then as a then as a freelancer. And so I had a family friend I did work for who 
like had some sort of, I don't know, they needed a PDF that I made for them years ago. And I was like, oh, I'll just send you the PDF. Well, it turns out I don't have the PDF. I just had the Quark document. So I had to install the Quark trial, which installed this preference pane. I left it installed so I could talk about it on the show with you. But now it's going away. That's my whole story. <laughs> it's Exciting. Quite, it's been the adventure, man. It's been a real adventure. <laughs> I um the only other one the other oddball one I have is the Wacom tablet, which is the same thing. When I installed that, I felt still I'm still burning from my uh, Logitech control pad. But the Wacom thing is software has been fine, and I don't I don't use the um the tablet that often. But when I do, it's there. Some of those devices require it, and others just like well, it's if you want to change anything about it, you got to install this thing. Yeah. Um, some people may not know how you uninstall these. So say that you open system preferences and you have Adobe Flash in here or something, core update or something ancient. Yeah. All you have to do is right click and say, remove preference pane. <laughs> That's all it takes. It'll ask you for your password and then it will uninstall it. So you're not stuck with these forever. So if you've opened system preferences listening to the show and you're horrified by the the dead bodies of preference panes past, they're pretty easy to get rid of. Yeah. And actually, that's one thing I would do following listening to the show is just take a look at your login items under the user panel and take a look at just the system preferences. The, this isn't a bad time to clean that stuff out. Yeah, you know, stuff gunks up over time. And if you're like me and you've migrated your user from computer to computer, you forget about stuff you have in here. So it could be a nice opportunity to straighten things out a bit. Yeah, I, and I, I don't really have the same advice with the menu bar. Once I got Bartender, I do collect stuff in the <laughs> yeah, menu bar. you really do. <laughs> but, they, you know, I, they, are, they are helpful. And with the Bartender, I'm, I have all the stuff I really need is up there all the time, whether it's referential, giving me information like how long I have left in this appointment or, um, you know, the time. Uh, but then the stuff that I act on is just one click away. Uh, mm-hmm. And while I can't bring myself to click on apps in the dock, I apparently have no problem clicking on the menu bar. <laughs> Humans are fickle creatures. What, what yes, can we, we say? Are. What yes, can we, we say? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, I'm sure we didn't cover all of the best menu bar apps. There may be some more you have. If you do, uh, heading over to talk.macpowerusers.com would probably be a good place to go to share that uh, with the rest of the listeners. Uh, we are working on feedback, so maybe we'll include your uh, additional menu bars or startup apps in that list as well. Uh, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. Uh, Steven, what's going on over at 512 Pixels lately? It's been kind of a quiet week. You know, I, I reviewed the the MacBook Air, which I want to talk to you about at some point. Um, yes. But, uh, you know, I, they're... I got some stuff coming. We're going to do the Chicago trip and then I'm going to be back with a new video, uh, hopefully that week. So uh, kind of quiet this week, to be honest. Yeah. As we just uh, record this, I just pressed the button on a naval gazing piece about the Apple video network that everybody is coming and uh, my thoughts on that. But uh, that's over at maxsparky.com. You can uh, either way, you can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. Um, also, thanks to our sponsors, Gazelle, Omni, Clean My Mac, and Squarespace. Next week, we are going to have a live show for you, which is going to be a lot of fun. So I hope you enjoy listening to it, and we'll see you then.